Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is the show where we share cutting edge strategies on acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today I'm joined by a guy whose existence, were I to have met him before I sold, would have petrified me. He's maybe one of the most brilliant media buyers I've ever met. He owns a really phenomenal agency that's done some amazing things with names you've heard of. And uh, we're going to dig into all of that right now on this show. Dmitry Smirnov, thanks for being here, brother. I appreciate you. I love to be here. Let's rock and roll. Yeah, let's do it. So I'm going to do my best because you're a hard dude to encapsulate, but we got to give people the edification and the soundbite. You're the founder and CEO of Big Life Marketing. You've run traffic for literally some of the biggest names in the world. Jordan Belfort, Christopher Mayshore, Robert Kiyosaki. Brooke Castillo. I mean, like some of these folks don't get any bigger. They're at the top of their game and you're the one behind the scenes and not even all the time behind the scenes. In many instances, I've noticed that you're far more integral with your clients than most traffic agencies or media buyers are. Anything else you'd add to that horrible introduction to scaffold what I did? Well, I think media buying and marketing in general is really one of the coolest things that we can do in today's world. In fact, marketing is, in my opinion, the perfect combination of math and creativity. So for people who are both left brain and right brain, at least in some ways, this is the playpen for us to hang out in and just enjoy life doing marketing. So when I'm working with some of these clients or all of our clients really it's just fun. And that's why I like to have a more personal relationship with them, go really in depth, spend a lot of time in their accounts, work on offers, work on creative, work on everything together. And, and our clients love doing that too. Yeah. And you specialize in a niche that's very difficult. You're working with people selling high ticket offers, and that can be course creators, coaches, consultants, really anybody, right? It's the high ticket space. The stakes are high. There's just a lot at risk. And these offers are very tax relevant in terms of what it is that you're trying to extract from people. And so you can't phone it in. You're never going to accidentally trip into success with a high ticket offer. Either it works or it doesn't. And it's something of a very binary ecosystem, or at least that's been my experience. Would you agree or disagree with that? I agree. And one of the most important things with high ticket is establishing trust. And marketing and advertising is a very low trust avenue of communication to begin with. So we're starting a few steps behind than maybe a normal personal conversation. I mean, think about it. If somebody were to just approach you on the street, and they've never heard of you, or you've never heard of them, you would be tempted to run away from them. And that's kind of what we do with advertising. We try to run away from it. I mean, even commercials, the only time we like commercials on TV is during the Super Bowl. And it's funny, because then we all become marketers, and we're all evaluating the ads. But that's what we do every day on an everyday basis. So we evaluate our own ads, our clients' ads. We have to build trust with the audience. And it's a long sales cycle, typically with a high ticket. So it's over a long period of time of trust development and ascending ultimately to buy something for 5000 10000 
even $25,000 all on the spot. So that's, you know, you kind of begs the question, what qualifies as high ticket in your mind? Where's the line of demarcation? I think 5,000 is the minimum for a high ticket. Most of the clients that we work with have a $20,000 plus offer. And I would recommend that for everyone. Even if you right now are selling something for 5,000, you're happy with it, it's profitable, why not sell something for 25000 Because the people who do take your $5,000 offer, they're craving more. We're all craving more. We live in a world of abundance and wanting everything. So if you deliver a really good product for $5,000, well, what's the next thing that you can deliver for $25,000? Yeah, I had that experience with Ryan Dice. I became a Ryan Dice fan early, early in my digital marketing career. And he earned his place in my mind and my heart as a trusted advisor. And so I would just buy anything he sold because I knew I could trust him. I knew like he was going to deliver and it was always going to be epic value and he was going to over deliver on the back end. And it got to a point to where I outran him. You know, I'm like, hey, dude, what else you got? You know, like I bought the certification and the courses and the mastermind and I'm well into the six figures, just me pushing money to Ryan. And uh, he could have kept going, you know, he could have at some point had a million dollar offer. And I'd be like, yeah, let's do this. Absolutely. Yeah, he could have. And you know what? Some people do have a million dollar offer. There's some of the big names. We all know about Tony Robbins, Russell Brunson. They have million dollar offers where they'll work with you for a million dollars. They could probably even take it even further, a $10 million offer. So with our high ticket clients, we'll oftentimes segment by who are the top spenders with this business. And we'll see, like you said, six-figure spenders because they bought the entry-level offer, the high-ticket offer. They're in the mastermind. They're in the personal coaching circle. They spent $100,000 and they want more. Just like you said, it's amazing. Yeah. So before we dive into the well of knowledge that I know you have available and accessible, we've got a tradition here, Perpetual Traffic, which is a nugget it's a little bite-sized piece of value that you have to offer our listeners. And so I'd be curious, what have you got? Quick hitter, what's the nugget from Dimitri? One of the problems we face as agencies or as an agency that especially works with clients who are busy, they don't have a lot of time. It's typically hard to request a lot of creative from them because they actually have to take time out of their busy schedule, sit down, make a recording, do all the hooks, change outfits and all that. And don't get me wrong, they're good at that. But guess what makes it even better is if we can do that all for them with AI. And the coolest tool out right now that we've seen is HeyGen. Maybe you've already seen some of your favorite influencers start doing this, especially in the marketing community, but they're creating video content with their real face, their real voice, but they never recorded it. What they did was upload a bunch of content into this platform, HeyGen, their voice, their video, and the more you upload, the more accurate the videos are gonna be. And then you can start generating AI video that looks real and it's like 96 percent there you can still tell a little bit sometimes that something is off but we're very close to it being completely genuine in terms of its perception so this is a way that we can experiment with hooks with end screens with bodies of ads especially for youtube ads for our clients who are busy and then if something works we can have them always record it or maybe not so this is a great tool, HeyGen.com, to create video like you've never seen before. There's a nugget within a nugget there. It's the perfect paradigm with which to approach AI. AI is not a wholesale replacement, at least not yet. But I like what you said, hey, I'm going to use this to test various things. And then once I figure out what really works, now I can go get my client to record the real deal. 
and then we can scale and go broad. That's a great nugget. Hey, Jen, it's H-E-Y-G-E-N.com. We'll include links in the show notes. Dimitri, you're an anomaly as far as traffic agencies are concerned. My co-host on Perpetual Traffic, Ralph Burns, is like this too. Most of us, myself included, we're either good at the creative or we're good at the, you know, we're either right or we're left. We're good at the creative or we're good at like the left brain button pushing analytics data. Ralph has built an agency that can do both really well, but it's rather unusual. I was just the data nerd. You're good at both. And I actually think even though your prowess exists on both levels, I think you like the creative more, which is unusual. So given that you have this dual proficiency, talk to me a little bit about the creative from a traffic perspective, because it's a hard nut to crack. And most people get it wrong most of the time. Yes. And I want to put creative into perspective and the difference between good creative and great creative. Good creative can get you sales. They can pay your bills. That's what good creative can do. Great creative will make you rich. Great creative versus good creative. We're not even talking about bad creative or mediocre creative, but great creative can get 10 times or more the scale of a good creative. If you can take your CTR from 0.5 to 1%, you're not doubling your traffic. You're 10xing your traffic. That's how important creative is. And in terms of, for me personally, creative is more fun than the data side. I think in part because the data side comes easy. I've always been a math guy. I've done professional poker playing for a while. I'm into statistics. One thing I did for fun as a 16-year-old when I first got my car was to track all the different gas stations in the area, the different levels of fuel and how much gas mileage I'm getting for each one and then optimizing based on my route, which gas station to go to and which fuel to get just for fun. It just comes naturally, but the creative side is something that evolves and it's ever evolving. And the more that AI and automation is coming into play, the less the statistics side is important, but the more important creative is. And sad but true, isn't it? AI is going to gobble up the data analysis much sooner than it's going to, even with things like HeyGen, because you still need to know what is it I'm going to say? How am I going to approach this? There's nuances that exist within the creative endeavor that just don't exist in the data-driven endeavors. Technology is always like this. We don't have to be afraid of it right now. We can embrace it because it's only going to amplify the good stuff. Think about before the printing press was invented. Every single book had to be handwritten. And really the value was, was in the people who were writing. If you could get someone to write the book, that was valuable, regardless of what the book was or the quality of the content. After the printing press came out, it was only the good books that would get printed. And so same thing now, only the good agencies are going to survive. Only the good creatives are going to survive, not just survive, but thrive. They'll take all that market share that mediocre creative was taking. But just like with the printing press, now it's a move to the best of the best. Let me ask you an obnoxious question then. Well, and I guess it's not obnoxious because you set yourself up for this. Good creative will 10x your traffic. Great. Totally agreed. 100% on board. How do you systemize that? Dude, when I think of good creative, I think Don Draper, glass of scotch, sitting on his couch, dreaming, and having an ability that most of us don't have innately. So where's the checklist, the functional model, the SOP? Like, you know, we've got, I don't know how many people listening right now. What would you tell them as far as executing on good creative? I'm glad you brought up Don Draper because that's the era that we need to be studying to be great at creative. 
human psychology hasn't really changed over the last hundred years. Technology has, but human psychology hasn't. Generating amazing creative takes the same process that it used to in Don Draper's era. Now, what can you do and what have I done is read the books from the greatest, the actual masters that came from that era that Don Draper is based on. People like Ogilvy, Schwartz, Hopkins. And if you're wondering about the specific books, it's like Ogilvy on advertising, scientific advertising, positioning. These books that were written between 30 and... 90 years ago, I think. And when you're looking up these books on Amazon, like people also bought, get everything, get everything. And what you're going to do by reading all these books is generate a new subconscious, so to speak. So really creative practices are different than typical statistic processes where there's a map to it. And you can create a certain process for yourself to think, but ultimately there's still a creative aspect to it. So learning from the best and preparing your own subconscious to be creative is my best advice. You just said something that really evoked a lot for me. You said generating a new subconscious. First of all, did you make that up? Is that your phrase? It just came from my subconscious. So that was maybe the most exciting thing I think I've heard in a really long time. Generating a new subconscious. And here's why it's exciting. I know we all have. I've done this. When I started speaking professionally on stage, all of a sudden I was primed for keynote topics. And everybody I would talk to, every conversation I'd have, every banter, radio, interview, television show I'd watch, whatever, I'd be like, oh, that's a keynote. That's a keynote. That's a keynote. And I had generated a subconscious for keynotes. My, my buddy, Brandon Turner, who's he's the bigger pockets guy, he's uber famous in the real estate world. He does this all the time. If you're talking about anything, he goes, oh, that's a keynote. And then I'll explain to you how he would turn it into a keynote speech. And that's because the subconscious is primed for that. I write a Twitter thread every morning now. I've been doing it for a couple of months. I do that every single day, and it's a study I've made. Now, everything that we do and talk about becomes, like I have a subconscious primed for writing. I've generated a new subconscious to the point that you're making. Dude, I mean, I absolutely love this advice. Go to school on the greats, prime your mind. You have to be able to think that way. And I mean, some people are predisposed to it and some people aren't, but everybody can cultivate the skill, right? Is more or less what you're saying. We're all creators and we all have it in us. It just takes practice, just like drawing does. Any type of artistic endeavor, and this is certainly an artistic endeavor, is not just the art part. And if you're doing video, it's a lot more than a static image, but the copy is artistic. And here's kind of the meta part of all of this is as marketers, we're influencing our prospect subconscious because mm. the prospect is the one that needs to, in their heart of hearts, start to believe that whatever it is that you're offering is what they need. And that doesn't really happen just on a conscious level. Sure, you can sell something for $7 on a conscious level. But if you're selling high ticket like we do, they have to believe it. They have to emotionally be committed to it. And once they are emotionally committed, that's what happens. That's why you spent six figures with one course creator. And that's why the customers of our customers do the same thing is because we've tapped into their subconscious and convince them. And we didn't trick them or anything. We've just presented it in such a way that they believe that this is the best thing for them to do for their lives. I listened to an interview with Christine Marie. I think it was the digital marketer interview, but she references a study that showed that 95% of all purchasing decisions are made in the subconscious mind. 
which is really interesting. Dude, even if even if that's not true, even if it's half, I imagine that it is, by the way, I'm not challenging it, but even if it's half, what's interesting about that statistic is marketers give almost no lip service or credence to the subconscious mind. And you're, outside of her, the second marketer I've seen champion that, which I think is really interesting. That needs to be the emphasis. That's 95% of the work there is the subconscious. That actually takes me to a really fun point, I think, is that we're spending as marketers a lot of time doing things that don't move the needle. One of those things, especially nowadays in 2023 and now going into 2024 with limited targeting and Facebook ads and Google is kind of doing the same thing, we don't really have the targeting tools that we used to. But what we do have is creative. I always think back to this one meme, and hopefully you've seen it before, recognize it, what I'm about to say. But do you know the Virgin versus the Chad meme? No. Okay. Maybe we'll include this meme in the show notes. But it's the Virgin complicated media buyer versus the Chad broad targeting media buyer. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of it right now. We will include this in the show notes. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's kind of like if you're listening, you have sort of a despondent, sad, hunched over, bad posture, you know, gray man walking away. And then there's all these little bubbles coming off of him that explain why he sucks at everything. And then that's the virgin. And then you've got the Chad, who's basically Johnny Bravo, right? For all mm-hmm. intents and purposes. Yeah. And he's, you know, that's the, the juxtaposition between the two is where the humor is found. I saw this meme several years ago, and it was funny, but I thought it didn't really apply because, of course, targeting is important. And, of course, adjusting bids is important. This is what I've been doing for over a decade is I do the tweaking. And that's how I get every single ounce of juice out of my ads. But I've been thinking about it. And and now things are really shifting into Chad mode. And here's the difference. Here's what this meme says. So the virgin complicated media buyer, he uses his complicated naming scheme. He tries to target better than Facebook. He segments by demographic and ad sets and this and that, and still keeps testing the same crappy creative with different targeting. And he's fighting for his 1.79 ROAS. Meanwhile, The Chad's kicking back, sitting back. He just targets USA, Canada, Australia, UK, 30 plus, whatever. No naming scheme. It's funny because this meme says, his creatives intimidate inferior creative out of placement auctions. Does no targeting. Let's Facebook do it for himself. Only tracks one thing that matters, conversions. Forgets about active campaigns for months. Still profitable. And he's getting a 4.32 ROAS. This is just a funny meme from years ago, but this is so true. Yeah. It's the creative that's driving everything. That's awesome. We'll include a link to that to the show now. We've got to cut to a break because Ralph Burns needs to pay for prescription chapstick. Dimitri, he's got very sensitive lips and he likes high gloss prescription chapstick and it's not an inexpensive endeavor. So we're going to cut to a commercial When we come back, Dimitri's going to talk about the direction he thinks digital marketing is taking at large. And maybe more exciting for some of us is what it's like working with celebrity clients and how he can get them. Because I want to go track down some celebrities because I like like name dropping, Dimitri. I have that sad, pathetic personality that enjoys making myself feel important. So uh, we're going to get back to that right after this quick break. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. (laughs) 
Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. We're back. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. We're here with Dimitri Smirnoff traffic guru for the stars is what I'm going to start calling you. I love that. And Dimitri, you have a pretty unique opinion as to where digital marketing is going in general. What's the crystal ball look like from your perspective? Well, creative is number one on there. It's just, that's where it's going. All creative endeavors, the best of the best will rise to the top. The next thing is leveraging the technology and the AI and whatever you want to call it, automation that we do have as marketers. And the way to do that is really through tracking and targeting and letting the platforms know who it is that actually is a good customer for you. Because they'll go and get you more of those. That's what they do. If you tell them to get leads, they'll get you more leads, but maybe your leads are low quality and that's why things aren't working for you. But if you actually identify through a CRM, which of your leads are profitable for you and you tell Google these, hey, please, more of these profitable leads, Google say, yes, sir, and get you more. Or Facebook ads, whatever it is, that, or TikTok even, which is improving very rapidly. Yeah, I've heard that from a number of people now. TikTok was a dumpster fire, and now all of a sudden it's a super viable network. And in addition to that, and kind of following the wave of Hermosi offer building and providing value for customers, really that's where things are going is value. How are you delivering value? And this is really good for both marketers and consumers because that just means everything gets better. More problems will actually get solved and advertising might actually start to get a better name than it used to be where people are worried about getting scammed by advertising. But scams by and large are going to go away, especially for high ticket. So providing more value is where everything is going. If you don't like providing value, you shouldn't be a course creator anyway. If you don't like providing value, you shouldn't be building physical products. You're just not going to succeed in this market that's coming up in the future. Mm, you said something I think is really interesting about scams going away. I feel like in a lot of ways, they already have. 
It's so hard now to run a business with a bad reputation. It's so obvious. This is so easy to find. You know, somebody Googles your name or your brand name and it's actually difficult in the other way. It's so easy for any joker on the internet to say something bad about you. And now we have a reputation management issue on our hands. But if you really are doing shady stuff, I feel like it just comes out so quickly. It's a difficult thing for those types to navigate around. Yeah, and you can't really build a real business around these things. It's like the sociopaths who go from city to city and bother some people until they get found out about that they're crazy and they have to move on to the next city. Same with the scammers. Okay, you can scam a few people, but it's only going to last so long. So if you're wanting to build something that has enterprise value or has staying power over time, you just have to deliver a good product. And Amazon is partly or maybe mostly to blame for this because they standardized 30-day returns, reviews. Everything is reviewed. If you're not a four-star plus or 4.5-star, depending on the product, no one's going to even give you a second look. And if you don't have reviews, same thing. Yeah, that 30-day return thing. I always wondered about that. You know, if you go to Target even, take Amazon aside and remove the digital revolution from the discussion. The fact that Target will take anything back, no questions asked, or Costco or Land's End, that's a horrible business model from the outside looking in, right? On paper, in the boardroom, on the whiteboard, it's just like, this is stupid, you guys. We're just going to lose money hand over fist. But what ended up happening is people just needed to know they could trust you. And now half the shit I should return, I don't. Because just to, you know, I got a shower curtain in the mail the other day because I it doesn't matter why. I ended up ordering a superfluous shower curtain. The story's not necessary. Here's what's funny about it, man, is the amount of time, effort, and energy it'll take me to return that terror curtain isn't worth it. But I know that I can at any point, and that's why I continue to shop through Amazon. So I think it's a really, really masterful point. Well, and your partner, Jason Fladlin, who talks about offers and building guarantees is guarantees, right? I mean, we're going to guarantee this offer, and this goes for high ticket. We're going to guarantee this offer. Sometimes it's double your money back or triple or whatever else it may be. And you think everyone's going to just ask for a refund. I mean, this is a digital product. It's difficult to prove that it was consumed or value was transferred over whatever credit card companies are difficult with chargebacks and things like that. But what ends up happening is way more people buy because of just what you said is they know they could return it. Right. Talk to me a bit about tracking and targeting. This is the epicenter of all things, functionally speaking, and yet everybody gets it wrong. You have some pretty unique approaches. I remember our first meeting, you talked to me about how deep a dive you did in one client's CRM. And it blew me away. You were like going through granular notes and plucking out just little sound bites of value. I thought that that was a really interesting approach. Yeah, and going back to that meme with the Chad, the Chad media buyer, he's leveraging creative and tracking, and he's getting a much higher return than somebody else doing it differently. And the first step really is to determine which of your clients are actually, which of your customers are actually good customers that you would like more of them. Some customers, you don't want to ever see them again, even if they paid you money. That's why we went so granularly into the CRM to determine how long did it take them to buy? When did they buy again? How often are they purchasing? How much are they How often are they opening emails and responding to texts, showing up to masterminds, all these different touch points that build the ICP essentially is who exactly do we want? So that's the first step. That's why we went so far deep into that CRM is to determine it. We built out AOV, one-year LTV, every single metric that's important 
we built out over time per product, per audience to then determine what are we going to put back into Google ads and YouTube ads. So we, we made a list and then we started using offline conversions. I'm not going to get into this too much, but because you talk about this all the time on perpetual traffic, but I'd like to reinforce this point is that uploading purchase conversions and for high ticket, oftentimes those are done over the phone or they're done in person. So you have to use the technology that's available. By the way, it's not rocket science, but you actually upload the purchases back into Google so you can optimize to good customers, not just leads. And I'll tell you when I learned this, okay, I learned this kind of the hard way, albeit in a pretty funny way. So when I first started in my career, I was working for this startup affiliate marketing agency, and it was just five or six of us, and we were working out of the office, which happened to be somebody's apartment. I was working directly for the CEO, who was the top media buyer. If you could picture a top media buyer who works out of his office, it was something like this, where he would stay up most of the night playing Civ 5, maybe until 5.30 in the morning or 7.30 in the morning, then go to bed until 6 p.m., pull out his laptop. He's probably got about 15 minutes left of battery on his laptop. And in that 15 minutes, he just creates gold. Okay, just magic. Every now and then he needed more than 15 minutes and he'd run out in his boxers and go get his computer charger and then run back into his room. So he'd finish that, go back to sleep. So this is the kind of guy that I was working with. And he's the type of guy who just take a vacation on a dime. So he told me the next day that he's heading off to Hawaii or something. And I'm in charge of the marketing campaign now. And I'm just this junior media buyer. Okay. I'm like, okay, this is an exciting opportunity. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to even grow this campaign. So I start growing and scaling this campaign. And man, it is taking off. Okay, I'm getting conversions up the wazoo. We were getting 100 per day. I'm up to 200, 300, 500 per day conversions. I'm like, man, I'm going to get the biggest bonus of all time. This is incredible. Maybe I should just go off on my own and become a millionaire in two weeks. All of a sudden, we're starting to get phone calls from the client. Hey, man, uh, our leads are kind of, they're no good. I'm like, what do you mean? Or, I'm sending you all these hundreds of conversions. They're no good. Finally, I look at the placements where ads showed and I see, Apps. Coco Lemon, oh, no. Peppa Pig, Baby Ball Game. And what I learned was that <laughs> babies are pounding on their iPad, clicking my ad, and not just clicking it, but because the landing page was so easy to convert on, they were converting. They were my converters that I was so proud of, and I thought I'd become a millionaire based on them. But it was just babies hitting their iPad. I told Google, send me more babies. <laughs> more Peppa Pig, please. And it did. I changed the conversion action to actually purchasers. Our conversions dialed way back, but I was still able to scale that campaign and profitably because now we were optimizing to the right thing. I, it just, <clears throat> that's when I learned it. I never made that mistake again. And I, especially now when there's bots, spams everywhere, and you say, Nothing stops spam better than a paywall. And that's amazing advice. And your competitors, by the way, sometimes there's industries where your competitors are clicking on your high CPC keywords and all this. Nothing is really going to matter because you're optimizing to purchases. That's great advice. How do you do that with high ticket especially? There is so many layers between the initial conversion event, the lead, and them actually giving us money. And with the loss of tracking, we don't always have a G-clip. 
and I, I'm asking an impossible question here, Dimitri. I know that before I ask, but what do you do? Like, what's the SOP there to try to connect as many of the dots as you possibly can? Well, I think marketing efficiency ratio kind of can always be your North Star. So if you're running more ads and you're getting more revenue, well, you're probably doing okay with those ads. If you're not getting more revenue with more ad spend, that's probably something you need to look into and fix. But what you can do is measure every single step of the journey, especially when you're starting out. I mean, the buying journey can take six months or even a year for some of these high ticket offers. But what are they doing before they're buying? What are some actions that your prospects are taking taking that can indicate a high percentage likelihood of actually making the purchase and optimize to that until you have enough data. So the way it works, first, you have a lead magnet and you can only optimize to leads because you have no purchasers. So that's what you do. Once you have leads, take the next step, which is maybe schedule a phone call or even better yet, get on the phone and are qualified but still are three to six months out from buying, well, you can optimize to people who showed up to the phone call and keep taking that next step when you have enough data to plug into the platform. Eventually, even if it's six months out, you can, well, depending on the platform, there's a time limit of when you can upload sales back in. But even if you're not optimizing to them as your primary conversion, you can at least see them in your platform so that you can manually optimize to them. And like the more advanced media buyers know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, this is how we fixed Facebook when iOS 14 first dropped. I won a Wicked Smart Award for this. We started using Facebook's offline conversions and spoofed actual purchases with intrinsic qualification actions. Hmm. So if somebody just was time on site was high or a number of pages visited were high, I would say, hey, Facebook, they bought. And that would give Facebook the juice that it needed to start sending me more people like that. Because I don't know if you remember post iOS 14, dude, it was like horrible, you know, zombie land. It's gotten a lot better since then. But yeah, I mean, 100%. And you can hack the system however you want it. If you have actions that you know are worth around $10 for you, then label them as $10 and you have another action that's worth $50. Okay, you can label it as $50. So now you're giving Google all the information that you already have and letting it just generate conversion value for you. So again, you have two different conversions or how many, maybe you have three or four. Sometimes we use surveys and depending on a certain answer to a question, we know they're going to be worth X or 2X or 10X. And that's how we start labeling values. So you can hack that conversion value algorithm by assigning a value that's not really a value. It's not cash in your pocket right now, but you've already built out the model that indicates that's how much it's going to be worth in 30 days or 90 days. That's brilliant. Talk to me about celebrity clients. How do you get them? And once you have them, how do you deal with them? Because I've had a handful myself and, oh God, some of the ego stroking necessary is so hard. Well, to that last point is that the difference between some of these bigger celebrity clients and the rest of us is that they're almost allowed to have their ego on display, whereas the rest of us kind of have to keep it back. But we all have it in us. And that's actually a positive thing in terms of working with them because we can understand them. And let me explain that a little bit better. A lot of times you come in as an agency, you have to set your frame. Let me give you an example. Even the president of the United States has his frame broken sometimes by a certain expert. If the president of the United States is sick and needs to go see the doctor, the doctor is the boss in that scenario. And same thing goes with digital advertising, marketing, Google ads, YouTube ads. 
when someone who is a lot more successful than I am, well known, more well-known than I am, I still need to come into that conversation with the frame that I am the boss in this respect. And that way, there's not really as much ego stroking necessary. I don't have to fall into the same trap that employees of that business owner might have to fall into because they're hiring an expert, our agency, to help them. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think what you're telling me is they're going to be as unruly as you allow them to be. And if you're going to handle a client like this, you actually need to make sure that you're approaching them as though you're the authority because so many people are, you know, the emperor has no clothes and nobody's telling them. And I want to just touch on what I think of marketing and even the name of my agency, Big Life Marketing. The reason I named it Big Life Marketing is I believe life is marketing. And I'll get to the big part in a second. But life is marketing. And every single one of our conversations, our relationships, but in particular, the conversations with our clients, that's all marketing. We as marketers don't just market when we're putting ads on Facebook, but we're marketing ourselves when we're speaking at masterminds. We're marketing ourselves when we're talking to our clients, presenting to our clients. Every single monthly or weekly review that you have with your client is a sales pitch. That's how it needs to be treated with clients who are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars per month. They're serious. They're not joking around. That relationship needs to be invested into with the same rigor that you might invest into the actual advertising. And then, of course, the big part of big life marketing is we want to live big lives. Comfort and small pleasures, safety aren't enough for us. Human nature seeks out adventure, at least sometimes. It wants problem to solve. It wants difficulties. To me, all of that is encompassed by marketing. And so a big life and marketing is really synonymous in a way. So going back to the celebrities again, working with them is fun. It's part of a big life. Set your frame. And really, they're people just like just like everyone else. One funny story that I have, Jordan, Jordan Belford was, and I've worked with him for, on several projects at this point, but when we first started working together, and I'll tell you the story about how I first met him in a second, but we just launched a project. And one day I woke up and I have this text message from Jordan Belford, and it's in all caps. And it says, call me ASAP. And my heart drops. Like, dang, I just started working with Jordan Belford. He's about to fire us. And I uh, call him, says, hey, Dimitri, everything is going amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, wow, okay, okay, okay. So it's going to be a little bit different than expected. So my point being that working with these people is really fun. Unexpected things, turns, they have really cool ideas and all. But you asked me, where can you meet clients like this so you can start working with them? It's not like my name is very well known in the marketing industry. My agency is not, we're a boutique company. But what I will tell your audience right now is masterminds high-level masterminds, including, for example, the one that you run, which is Driven, which is amazing with Perry and Jason Fladlin. That is an amazing mastermind. We met at a War Room mastermind. And there's so many masterminds where not only will you learn the latest and greatest, but you will actually put yourself in a room that will 
A, connect you to these celebrities and or big clients, big fish, whatever you want to call them. Not all big fish are celebrities. That's why I said so. I, I just meant to say that there's a lot of big business that's available and looking for experts and they don't want to waste their time. Masterminds are a perfect place to find them or get connected through somebody else. But the other thing and going back to the beginning of our conversation really is this is the type of place that rewires your subconscious, retrains your brain to believe and be confident that you can work with these types of people. And that's what happened for me. So first of all, I love that you're helping to pimp out my mastermind. You just became my favorite guest. Just kidding. Here's what I'll say for you, though, because you and I did meet in a mastermind and I've seen the way you conduct yourself. You don't come to the mastermind being Mr. Network Guy. Nobody likes that guy or gal. They're obnoxious. You, you're actually really quiet. But when you speak, it's always like the smartest thing anybody said and everybody hits their notepad. And so you choose these moments to provide value or interject yourself. And I don't want to say strategically because it would insinuate some level of it's almost so much intense that it becomes manipulative. And I don't think that's what you're doing. I think you just show up, provide value. And then somebody like Jordan's like, oh, this dude, he's going to run my traffic. I'd be curious as to your perspective as to what you're doing, because that's how you're perceived. But, you know, I'm, I don't live in your head, so I'd love yeah, to know. And I want to actually, this is a really interesting point that you made about not being manipulative. And we face that same exact problem as marketers delivering our offer. How do we walk the line between manipulation and collaboration, for example? And so in a mastermind, ultimately what I'm trying or any group setting where there's a potential of working with other people, I certainly don't want to manipulate anybody into working with us. But what I want to do is put out the messaging to indicate, here's what I can do. Here's what I like doing. And if somebody hears that and associates themselves to that messaging, they'll respond to it and we'll strike up a conversation. But it's not a manipulation. It's not forcing anything to anyone. And this is the same exact process that you do with marketing, with regular marketing that we do with our high ticket clients is we put out the messaging to a specific audience with specific value and see who responds. And that way, it's a congruent relationship where it's a win for both sides. And again, life is marketing. So there's no way around selling yourself. There's no way around having an intention to, well, I would like to work with some of these people. I mean, we don't have to necessarily hide that, but it shouldn't be manipulative. And you were saying nobody likes Mr. Networker guy, you know, walking up to, and what do you, what do you do? And like, Hey, do you want to work with me? Give me your phone number. And nobody likes that. 15 guy. minutes. You want to get coffee, lunch? Just like, no, <laughs> no, I do not. <laughs> exactly. But if their messaging aligns with your messaging or with what you're trying to accomplish, one plus one can equal three or four or five. Yeah. I got the best pitch I've had in a long time via Instagram yesterday. He messages me and says, Hey man, perpetual traffic listener love what y'all are doing. And I've got a soft pitch for you. And just him saying that actually dropped my wall. Because otherwise, people always try to pretend like they're not sending a pitch your way. And then, you know, there's a Trojan horse, right? It's like pitch smuggling. It's like compliment, massage, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, gotcha. And instead he goes, hey, super soft pitch. And the super soft pitch ended up being to my benefit. It was in my favor. 
And I instantly responded back and I was like, hey man, I'm super interested. Thanks for thinking of me. But it was just, it was integrous. It was full frontal. You know, I was like, I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pitch you on something, but, but it, it could be to your benefit. That cold outreach is part of advertising. That was an ad that he put together that felt natural to you. It felt like maybe a real conversation that might happen in real life that, that wasn't too pushy. And again, going back to our advertise, anybody's advertising, your advertising as the audience, what offer are you pushing? Or should we say it a different way? What offer are you presenting? You don't want to be pushy. Exactly what Kasim just told you is he doesn't want to hear that pitch. And sometimes you'll see this with speakers. Okay, we all go to events and there's speakers. And sometimes it's just too put together like a formula and you're like, you know, like, ah, oh, you just came out of a speaking course or something and it's just not landing because, you know, and they're using an emotional tactic of bringing in some sad story at the end for the emotional connection part of things. And it's so robotic and that stuff doesn't land. Here's an example of how to treat marketing in real life. Picture yourself as a guy on Las Vegas Boulevard trying to get people's attention walking by you and selling them something. You wouldn't do that. First of all, you would do it differently to different avatars. So that's why <laughs> what picking, a good point. picking, picking yeah. your avatar to start and customizing that messaging specifically for that avatar works because that's what you would do in person. Then what would you actually say to them in person to get them to take your lead magnet, whatever that piece of paper it is that you're offering? And on that piece of paper, what are you writing so that they actually want to read it and then take the next step? Because a lot, I see this all the time in a high ticket, is the course creators or offer providers will create this lead magnet, which has zero value. It's just forgetting the email and phone number, whatever else. They, but it has zero value. What do you think is going to happen to that customer? They're never going to open your email and instantly unsubscribe because whatever it is was on that Las Vegas Boulevard piece of paper that you just offered was not interesting. But if it is, and it's natural, it's presenting, it resonates with them, they'll keep taking your next step on and on and on and on. Can I tell you a story? Please. When I was a kid, I moved to LA. I wanted to be an actor. It's my sad, pathetic confession. And I didn't do any acting, but I, I went and I worked at Universal Studios because I thought like, okay, well, I'm here and they'll find me, which is also very pathetic. So at Universal Studios, the cool thing about Universal Studios is you've never seen an amalgamation of like more diverse characters ever in your life. Everybody's batshit insane. And I'm working at Universal Studios. There's a lot of like little kiosky type vendor. It's almost bizarre. And there are these older Asian ladies that did massages in the street. You've probably seen this at shopping malls. Like they've got their weird little chair that you sit in face down and then they'll, they'll massage your back. And there's like three or four of them. I used to go have lunch right next to them. And I noticed one of these gals is always busy, like nonstop, morning to night, never, ever doesn't have a customer. And the other ones are just constantly out there peppering tourists, like trying to drag them. They'll go up, dude, and they will grab you by the shirt collar if you let them and drag you to their chair. And I ended up chopping the busy gal up and her English wasn't the greatest. So it was, it was actually a really fun conversation, but she, I ended up getting to the bottom of it. She only ever approached people with orthopedic shoes. It was the smartest targeting I've ever heard in my entire life. Instead of going off and like shotgun blasting everybody walking past, she would sit there and watch. And anybody with orthopedic shoes, which are super easy to spot, she'd go up and like, you know, I don't know what her data was. I don't know if she tracked that, but I bet she was like one out of two or one out of three were like, yes. And she knew exactly how to talk to him and, you know, where to touch him to tell him the pain was. And it was one of the, it was just such a phenomenal masterclass in marketing 
from this gal that didn't even, I don't even think realized how brilliant she was being. It just reminded me of the, the example you gave on Las Vegas Boulevard. Sometimes the most brilliant marketers are not who we would expect. And sometimes the best use of our time is not messing with the bids or the platforms. Taking a step back, just like this lady did, and first taking five minutes to think about who am I going to actually approach gave her 10x the business. We talked about creative 10xing the business, picking your right avatar of 10x the business. All of a sudden, you're at 100x. Right. right. We got to cut to another break. Ralph doesn't like people to know this, but he's very self-conscious about his earlobes. And so we're selling advertising so he can get plastic surgery in order to enlarge his earlobes because he has microlobe is what it's called, technically speaking. When we come back, Dimitri's going to share how he learns, where he goes for information, what he'd recommend you do if you want to up-level your traffic game. And we're going to learn more about how to work with him if that's something you're interested in right after this quick break. We're back with what has to be one of my favorite interviews here at Perpetual Traffic. Dimitri's a well of just phenomenal wisdom. If you didn't listen to the whole thing, go back and take it all in. Dimitri, you're easily one of the best. You called yourself boutique, so I can use that word. Boutique marketing agencies I've come across from a traffic perspective. And traffic is one of the hardest proficiencies, period, full stop. I don't care what anybody says. Where do you go to stay up to date? Like, where's your learning well? Books, YouTube videos, and masterminds. Everything is covered there. In fact, you could learn everything just on youtube.com for free. Marketing videos and everything. Now, there's cheap books available. Kasim, you wrote an amazing book called You vs. Google. You also have another book that I highly recommend, which is the seven, correct me if I'm wrong, it was seven principles of marketing. Yeah, that's probably what I should have called it. It's more verbose than that, but that's because I'm a dumb marketer. Well, that's how it's in my mind, just seven principles. Okay. And like I mentioned earlier, the other books of the classics, Ogilvy, Scientific Advertising, all those books really help. And lastly, if you can join a mastermind group, I know many of them have minimum revenue or minimum profit qualifications. But there's ones that don't actually have that strict of requirements that you can join. So start going to them, talking to other marketers really helps a lot. They have the latest and greatest tools. They have some insights that will quickly help you with sales or with copywriting. And by the way, even with ChatGBT nowadays, with what we think is the end of copywriting, it's, it's, again, <laughs> it's like the opposite. It's everyone is looking for a good copywriter. Isn't and the funny? good copywriters... All they're going to do is keep getting better with ChatGBT. You're just leveraging a good copywriter's talents to double or 10x. But actually, it's so much more that one person can do with these tools. And so that's why the good copywriters are so much in demand. So, and you can learn these things again, like a driven mastermind, founders board, and so many others that do this for you. Yeah. So we've mentioned Driven, which I really appreciate. That's my mastermind. That's me, Perry and Jason. What other masterminds do you really like, Dimitri? Let's say somebody, Driven's not right for them or it's too expensive or whatever. Let's give a shout out to, well, even the playing field a little bit. I'll start actually and say Joe Polish's Genius Network. Have you done Joe's? I haven't yet. That one's great. Steve Sims started a mastermind for folks that don't yet reach or don't want to spend as much as something like Driven. I think Perry's just launched his downstream one too, actually. So there's, there's a couple. What other ones have you come across? that you really enjoyed? There was one that I just went to here in Dallas, Texas, which was called the Commitment Summit. That's run by JC and Karen Height. Height. I love them. And that was nice. If you're an agency owner, especially if you're up and coming, 
you should definitely check that out. I mean, Steve Sims, like you mentioned, he has also the Speakeasy Mastermind, which I also went to in Dallas, and that was tremendous. I mean, it's intimate and fabulous speakers, plus you get a really fun evening activity somewhere that you would not expect, and that's why it's named the Speakeasy. So really good on him. Roland Frazier and Ryan Dice are still running their masterminds and they have several. And every time they speak, it's just worth the price of admission as well. So they do founder well, Ryan's keynote at TNC is the thing I look forward to most every year. Like him just getting up and telling you what he thinks is going to happen. And what's weird is I think he's been right every year. I'm going to go back and verify that because I have all the recordings. But I mean, the guys, man, he's just got his finger to the pulse. Yes, he does. And they've built quite an amazing company that does events and trainings and masterminds and all sorts of things. So big ups to them. So I mean, go out there, like Google it, ask your network about it, post on Facebook, you will find a space for you. Are you in Front Row Dads yet? I just joined Front Row Dads. Did you? Yes, I did. That makes me so happy, dude. I'm glad to have you. Yeah, I was maybe more forceful than I should have been when you and I were hanging out. And I was like, do you have to join Front Row Dads? What are you doing? Yeah, you did tell me, you pushed me through. And then two other guys that we know, I mean, everyone's saying Front Row Dads. And that's a really great point that you bring up is that we are doing all this marketing stuff and we want to make money through marketing and advertising. But ultimately, and going back to a big life, what does a big life really mean? And it's having value and meaning with your children and your family. So how are you as a dad? How are you balancing or leveraging all the resources that you have to maximize the meaning of your existence? Hmm. I love that, man. What a great way to sign off. Dimitri, I know you don't work with everybody. You're selective. If somebody wanted to work with you, how would they approach that? The best prospects, if you're this, you are going to be perfect to work with us at Big Life Marketing. And you can go to biglifemarketing.com. You can reach out to me on twitter.com or the app or, you know, email me. I'm sure you can find my email somewhere, but go to biglifemarketing.com. It's the easiest way. And here's who should do it. If you are already selling high ticket, you are already successful with Facebook ads, you've proven your offer, meaning it's not, we're not starting from scratch, by the way. Creating an offer is tough. So you've already created an offer that works and you're ready to add Google ads or YouTube ads as potentially your number one traffic source. And we do it for 80 plus percent of our clients. We make Google and YouTube ads their number one traffic source. Come talk to us because it's really a no-lose offer for you. You're just going to make more money and you're going to happen to pay us a little bit of that money. So why wouldn't you do that? Right. I've had that same sales pitch. I'm like, I'm not a cost center. I'm a profit center. People don't like hearing it though, for some reason. You need to, you need to continuously remind them of it. It's funny because, you know, like on the other side of things, I'm the exact opposite way. Like, yeah, okay, what are you trying to sell me? And right. then, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> like, I totally get it. I totally get it. But we work with some big names. We work with some not so well-known names. We work with big companies. They're all making way more money by working with us than before working with us. So it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well, and you know, for anybody listening, I know Dimitri personally, he and I travel in the same circles. He's got a great reputation. If you're looking for an agency, he's absolutely one you should check out. Dimitri, really appreciate you being here, brother. Last words to you. Any parting gifts for our audience? Think about advertising this way. If you had to sell the next person, you just had to sell them or else you get blasted off in a space shuttle to the moon for the rest of your life. What would you do to sell that person? And that's how you should approach marketing. And that's hit those psychological pain points, desires, status. It'll get you paid big. Reprogram that subconscious of your prospects. Reprogram your own subconscious to up-level yourself. 
and success is really just around the corner. And I mean, for all of us, for myself included, I'm trying to do the same thing and keep leveling up. So let's do it all together. I love that, man. I appreciate you being here. For those of you listening, thank you so much. You'll never know what your support means to us. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you have the threshold for pain, leave a rating wherever you're listening. Those ratings are huge. They juice the algorithm. Let other listeners know that we're not absolutely full of it. If you want to drop some personal info on that rating, we're going to read them live here on Perpetual Traffic and make UPT famous. Don't forget to follow my boy Ralph Burns at Ralph HB on Twitter. He's also on LinkedIn. You can follow me on all socials at Qasem Aslam. Go back and listen to previous episodes. All of the resources and show notes are at perpetualtraffic.com. Dimitri, again, thank you so much for being here. I will see y'all next time. Peace. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 